So, first of all, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity to share with you this morning and to spend some time in God's Word. Um, this passage, for me, has been a huge encouragement and at the same time is extremely convicting. Um, I think all of us as believers know what it feels like to feel inadequate or unequipped to live out our faith as believers and live out our faith through our actions and in right actions with our lives. Um, but, and we can very much feel alone in our, in our faith and in our lives, but um, this passage serves as an encouragement to that because it tells us that we have been equipped to live out our faith, and we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives that allows us to do that. So, uh, I will read read here. Okay, so yes, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them we may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For these qualities, if they are yours and increasing, will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you'll never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Let's pray before we start. Dear Lord, thank you for this day, and thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together as believers, to worship you, and to grow together in our knowledge and understanding of you, so that by our growth of knowledge that we might be able to live out our faith in the way that you intend us to, God, and that we may serve you in the way that you intend us to. So speak to us today through your word, God, and help me to give clearly what you have said here. And if there's anything at all that I add that is not what you intend, Lord, may it just be forgotten and that we can just remember the things that you have shown us here today, God. And I just want to pray that we can just through this understanding, live out our faith. In your name I pray, amen. Okay, so I'm just going to walk right down through this passage today. So it starts off with Peter basically giving himself an, intro giving an introduction of himself 
And he's introducing himself to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he is writing this letter to believers. Simply, simply put, he is writing to those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Um, yes, and he says that he is placing all of these believers at the same standing as himself or as the apostles. So it's not a matter of like him being more knowledgeable or or better, so that he's just looking down on them and telling them that this is how it is. But he's placing himself of equal standing with them and giving them a reminder of this. Um, yeah, and this is especially important when we will look forward at verses 3 and 4. Uh, and then as we look a little closer, it says that the reason for their faith is through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's not of themselves. This, this faith that they have is not because they were good enough. It's through Christ's righteousness that was imputed upon them through their faith in him. Um, yes, and genuine faith is through the righteousness and work of Jesus Christ and not our own righteousness and works. It's through his life, his perfect life, and his death on the cross as a sacrifice and through his resurrection that we are able to even have this faith in him. It's not because we're good enough, and it's not because we have achieved it in and of ourselves. So, yes, through God's grace, we have faith in Jesus Christ, and we can be saved. It's not about our actions, but it's rather the action that Christ took to take our sin to the cross. Okay. So that's basically his introduction of himself. And this, is, this gives us an idea of the audience that he is speaking to here. He's talking to these believers. In his previous letter, he addressed it more specifically to certain churches, but this was written in a way that you can tell it was meant to be circulated around, and he meant to get this out to as many people as he possibly could. Um, okay, so... Verse 3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Now, this is a huge statement. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is, this is saying that everything that we need for life and godliness has been granted to us upon our salvation. It's not a matter of us having to achieve it or something like that. It's already been given to us as believers. At the moment we are saved, this has been given to us through our knowledge of God. So this, this means that we are not unequipped as believers to live out the life that God wants us to live. We are fully equipped because he has given us this. He's given us all things. Um, so yes, those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ have already been granted all things that they need in regards to life and godliness. So this passage, it closely parallels Ephesians chapter 1. Um, and verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So, in Christ choosing us and choosing to die for us, he has granted to us all of the spiritual blessings that we need, every single thing that we need. It's not a matter of us having to achieve it. We're not having to like, reach out and try and 
get more of the spiritual blessing. We already have been given it. We have to understand that. And that's what Peter is trying to remind us of. And that's also what Paul is reminding us of in Ephesians. So, uh, yes. And then as we, as we look on into verse 4, it's saying that by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So, when I first read this, I was a little bit confused as to what it meant to be partakers of the divine nature. I guess some people might misunderstand this as saying that we become, like, in part, we become God or something like that in placing our faith. But that is that is not at all what Peter's trying to explain here. He's saying, as we look back to where it says, he's granted to us our promises, his granted to us his precious and very great promises. So it's linked to a promise that has been given before before this time. So, um, yes, and that promise is that we as Christians will receive the Holy Spirit upon our salvation. Um, we can see this in John chapter 14. That's one of the places where Jesus speaks directly about this. Um, yes. And John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells within you and will be in you. So this, in this passage, Jesus is promising that as believers, those who believe will receive the Holy Spirit upon their placing their faith in him. And not only that they will receive it, but that through that receiving of the Holy Spirit, they will be empowered to live the way that he wants them to live. And this is not just a theme that we see that Jesus promised. It's not only a theme that we see within the New Testament, but it was promised even before that in the Old Testament. This has been a theme that you can see traced throughout the Old Testament. Um, in particular, one of the passages I was looking at that related to this was in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 27. It says, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So in this promise in the Old Testament, this is the promise that Jesus is going to come and he's going to set in place the new covenant under which we now live as believers. Um, and through this, he will put his spirit within us. And in the spirit being within us, we are able to walk in his statutes. Without that, we are not able to do this in the way that we're supposed to. So he is promising that the spirit will be put within us and that we'll be able to walk in the statutes and obey his rules. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, Jesus was saying that when he ascended, he would send the Holy Spirit. And we see this in Acts as well. In Acts, we see the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the believers at Pentecost. But every single one of us, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, is marked by the Holy Spirit. We have all been given that. We, it's a matter of us understanding that and living like that. So, so you might say, like, so what? Why is it important that we receive the Holy Spirit? Well, I mean, we're going to focus particularly about the following passage here, why that's important, why, how that affects our lives. But it, through the Holy Spirit, we have God's power within us to live out the life that we're supposed to. 
Um, yeah, and as we see later in verse 4 even, it says, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So as partakers of this divine nature, we are able to escape from this. Without being partakers of the divine nature, we are unable to escape from sin. So we're not able to not sin outside of our salvation. So before we were saved, we were unable to not sin. We, we had nothing else. We had no other choice but to sin. Even as believers, we still sin because of our old habits and stuff like that. But we have the choice not to now. We have been redeemed and we have been cleansed. Um, and we have escaped from that corruption. So we have the choice now. Before that, we didn't have a choice. Now we have a choice as believers. So, okay. So after this, he goes on to describe these qualities that we should strive to attain at because of our faith. It's not, we should, we should do this because this is what saves us. It is a result of our faith that we do these things. So he says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For these, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So, he lists these qualities that we should strive to attain because of our standing with Christ, as well as the fact that God has done this work in our lives. So, uh, it's important to say here that it's not saying that we're supposed to work at these things just so that we can be saved. It's not that we need to work at this so that we can gain salvation. We've already gained salvation. We can already see he's talking to people who have gained this salvation as we look back to verses 1 and 2. He's saying that this should be a result of our salvation. We should be striving to do these things. If we're not doing these things, we're blind, as we see in verse 9. Um, so yes, it's not a matter of a person having to clean themselves up to come to Christ. We come to Christ and he gives us the ability to grow in these qualities and not just to have them, but to grow in them. Yeah. So at the same time, it is clear that he's saying we should make an effort to do these things. It's not a matter of us passively sitting on our butt and waiting for it to happen because we've received the Holy Spirit. It's not something that's just going to spring out of us by sitting down and waiting for it to happen. He's calling us to make an action to do this. It's not just about waiting for it to happen. Um, yeah, so it's not calling for a passive faith. It's calling for us as believers to have an active faith and to strive to supplement our faith with all of these things. So, the great hope here, though, is not that we do this of our own strength. Because if we were to try and do this of our own strength, we would fail. And we do fail when we try to do this of our own strength. But the hope is that we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the way that we can do this and that we can live out the life that we are supposed to. Um, yes. So God gives us the power through the Holy Spirit to grow in these qualities and to become even more like him. So, in verse 8, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, 
For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's not only calling for these qualities to just be present and just sitting there. He's calling for these qualities to be there and us to be making every effort to increase them. We're not supposed to just wait for them to increase on their own or not even just supposed to be satisfied with how we are. We're supposed to continue to strive to grow in these qualities. Um, yeah, and then at the end of that verse, it says, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in our growing of these in these qualities, we are producing fruit. And Galatians talks about this, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And it's, we are growing in this fruit, and we are growing in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ through the practicing of these qualities. So, this is verse 8 believer, the believer in verse 8 who's increasing in these and is not ineffective or unfruitful, is con contrasted with the believer in verse 9. And verse 9 is the believer who is idle and who is lacking these qualities. And it says that he is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. And that is a huge conviction because it's so easy for us to just feel like we need to sit down and just, we're good, we're believers, we just we can just wait around and we go to church on Sunday or something and it's, and it's fine. And I struggle with this as well. It's, it's so easy to not feel like we need to just keep growing in these qualities and we can just be idle in them. But he's saying here, if that is our attitude, then we are blind and we've forgotten the, the greatest thing that ever happens to us, and that is our salvation. So we've forgotten the fact that we have been cleansed and freed from our sin. So, yeah, I don't think anybody really wants to be blind to the fact that they are saved, and we don't want to forget that we have been given the Holy Spirit and given the ability to live out the life that God wants us to live. Everyone would prefer to be the verse 8 believer rather than the verse 9 believer. And yeah, make no mistake, verse 9 is actually talking about a believer. It's not just talking about an unsaved person because it's saying forgotten, the forgotten that you were cleansed from your former sins. So it's talking about someone who has been cleansed from their former sins, but they have just forgotten that fact and they've become blind to it because they have uh, forsaken growing in these qualities. So, verse 10 and verse 11 is... Peter's call to the Christians to be diligent in growing in their faith. So he says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, he is showing us here, once again, contrasting verse 9. He's saying, we should be we should not be forgetful and instead we should be diligent to confirm our calling and election so what does this what does this mean to confirm our calling and election that's i think that's the obvious question when we read verse 10 because that's kind of a confusing that can be kind of a confusing phrase um, but i was looking into studying it a little bit i was i started to realize that this is talking about that by exercising in these qualities, growing in these qualities, we are in some sense 
growing in our confidence in the fact that we have faith in Jesus Christ and that we've been chosen as believers and that we are, in fact, his, and that is Jesus. Um, so by growing in these qualities and exercising them, a believer becomes confident and it confirms to ourselves that we are, in fact, called to have faith in Jesus Christ and serve him. So through our growth in these qualities, we grow in our confidence that we are believers. Um, and then after that, it's, it says, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. So I think it's easy for us to read that and just be like, okay, so if we grow in these qualities and we're doing this, then we will never sin. But that's not at all what this is trying to say. It's not saying that if you are practicing these qualities, you'll become sinless or something. It's saying that you will not apostate, which apostate means to leave the faith. It means to just say, no, I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to do this. So it's saying that if you're practicing these qualities and growing in these qualities and growing in your confidence in the fact that you are, in fact, saved and that you are a believer, you're not going to fall away from the faith. Yes, and then through these things, Peter says that we as believers are granted an entrance into God's kingdom. And it's not simply, he's not simply saying, okay, cool, like, you're, you're believers, you did this stuff, so you're in. It's, it's, it, it gives even more, the, the language there is even better. It says you are richly provided an entrance. It's not just you're simply like, oh, you're in. It's you're richly provided this to those people who are growing in these qualities. You're richly provided this entrance. It's a big thing. Um, yeah, so Peter is writing all of these things as a reminder to the believers because he knows that his life is coming to an end. And this is, to him, the biggest, most important thing he wants the churches to remember. He's saying, uh, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body, or as like, I, I like how the Holman Christian Standard Bible puts this. He says, since I know that by the putting off of my bodily tent will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, I will make every effort so that after my departure, you'll be able at any time to recall these things. So he's saying the most important thing he wants these people to remember is the fact that they have the Holy Spirit and that they are empowered to grow in these qualities and live out the faith that he wants them to live. Um, so Peter is trying to point the churches and the believers to a deeper understanding of what it means to be a Christ follower. It's not a passive faith. It's not a lazy faith. He's calling the believers to seek after it. He is, furthermore, giving us this picture of what it means to live the empowered Christian life through the Holy Spirit, um, as contrasted with, once again, the verse 9 believer who is lazy and blind and is not understanding that they've been saved and not understanding what that means for them. Our salvation is deeper than just a ticket to heaven. It's more than that. It's It affects the moment that you are saved, it affects your life on this earth. It is more than just what is coming. It, that, is, that is an incredible hope, but there is so much more 
here. If God wanted us to just be having a ticket to heaven when, we'd, when we were saved, I don't know why he would leave us here after we became saved. He leaves us here because he wants us to practice these qualities and to spread the word. So, um, yes. So, at, as we place our faith in Christ, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and empowered to live the Christian life. Um, yes, what, like, like I said about the why I like the language of the bodily tent that Peter is using there. He is giving us a picture of how temporal our life is here on this earth. We are not, this is not a permanent place. A tent is obviously not a permanent structure. It's something that you set up for a little while and then it's taken down and you leave. And that's how we should be viewing our life on this earth. We're not here, and this is not everything. We're living out these qualities because of the hope that we have in the uh, that we are going to be there's more in the future for us. So, um, yeah. So, another huge hope that I see here is that as Christians, we don't have to face this life alone. We are not alone in our faith, and we're not having to practice these qualities alone. We have the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we're able to grow because of that. This isn't a, I'm struggling to do this by myself, and I'm struggling to just be the person God wants me to be by myself. If we're doing that, we're going to fail and we're going to be discouraged. We have to understand that the Holy Spirit has empowered us to do this and that we have his presence in our life. So, once again, if we do it by ourselves, we're blind and have forgotten what it means to be believers. And as believers, through receiving the Holy Spirit, we have everything that we need for life and godliness. Everything that we need. And we mustn't forget this as we face each day and rely wholly on God for the strength to grow in these qualities that Peter has listed and live the life God wants for us to live. So let's pray. God, thank you once again for this opportunity we have to grow together and to learn together and to worship you together. Uh, I just want to pray that our understanding of you will lead to our outward actions, God, and that is not just simply a head knowledge that we gain, but that it can become so much more that can affect the way that we live, as that is how you have designed it to be, Lord. I just want to thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit and that we don't have to do this alone. Thank you for the work that Jesus Christ has done on the cross so that we might be saved even though we are not adequate in and of ourselves. God, help to keep us from being blind and help us to grow in these qualities. In your name I pray, amen.